Welcome to another episode of Capital Roots, brought to you by Capital Farm Credit, where we bring you the experts in the ag industry. If I'm having an argument with someone from Georgia, I will tell them that pecans are native to Texas and not to Georgia, because they say pecan, we say pecan. Pecan. And it comes from a Native American word, meaning a nut that takes a stone to crack, and the closest translation is pecan versus pecan. In addition to a few Texas legends along the way, we're your hosts, Joe Patronella and Clint Cryer. Thank you for listening. Now let's get back to our roots. Today we have Blair Krebs with the Texas Pecan Growers Association. Blair, thanks for joining us. No, thank you for having me. Okay, before we go any farther, I have to know right off the bat, pecans, puckhands, settle the great debate for me. I, I never know what I'm saying, where I am, what's supposed to happen. You'd be shocked at how many phone calls we get about this. Phone um, calls? Yes, from the media, all sorts of questions about this. We actually had a campaign in 2021 about the great de- safe debate during the election, so you can debate with your family on a very safe issue, not politics. So okay. we like to play this up in the industry. If I'm talking to media, I tell them, uh, I don't care how you say it as long as you're eating them. Um, If I'm having an argument with someone from Georgia, I will tell them that pecans are native to Texas and not to Georgia because they say pecan, we say pecan. Pecan. And it comes from a Native American word, meaning a nut that takes a stone to crack, and the closest translation is pecan versus pecan. Okay. So So I've been saying- So we're right. That's what we're getting. Long story to say that we're correct. Perfect. (laughs) What I'd say is we're Texans here. There we go. Yeah. (laughs) We fly that flag. Exactly. Good. Um, Okay. So Texas Pecan Growers Association. Mm -hmm. Tell me a little more about that. What do y'all do? Your membership? So we're the Growers Association and we have about 600 members um, and they, about 50% of those are small growers. So um, in the pecan industry, we're, we're varied greatly. There's a lot of small growers that are very successful at retailing their pecans direct to consumers. Um, and things like that. So we have every realm in there. We do education, research, lobbying, marketing, really anything the grower doesn't have time for um, and doesn't want on What's a small grower? So a small grower can be someone basically under 30 acres is what we consider. What's a Um, large, I mean, everything over, but like. Yeah, I mean, some of our largest growers have 3,000 acres or more. Okay. Um, I think our, our, well, our largest grower in the state has um, several orchards equaling about 8,000 acres. Awesome. Um, So yeah, we have, it's a large variance um, in our members. So we have a lot to tailor to, which is um, is great. We're considered the oldest agricultural association in the state of Texas. We were formed in 1921, so we just had our 100-year anniversary. Uh, and we were, yeah, so we have a long history. Awesome. <laughs> um, so 30 acres to 3,000, that's pretty yeah. varied. Mm-hmm. Um, do pecans, like, harvest at a certain time? Like, I know... I, Earlier, we talked to a chicken grower, yep. a poultry grower, pecan harvester, pecan grower. I know nothing about either of these industries, so I like, I'm learning a lot. <laughs> you should know more after I, being around I, me for a while. <laughs> I should. Blair and I are old friends. Tell me more about like how the operation works, the, yeah. the cycle of a pecan tree, all of this. Yeah, so pecans are native to the United States, so there's a great variance in whether you're growing a native pecan or improved pecan. Most people are growing improved pecans, which you see in the grocery store, or people call them paper shell pecans. Oh. Uh, they are grown all the way from California to Georgia, and so they have different time periods where they are harvested. In Texas, we actually have had the first pecans that come off the tree, generally in South Texas, and they come off about um, early to mid-September. 
And some of those growers would call me and say, oh my God, we're harvesting in 100 degree weather. It's not right. Um, so they start harvesting then. And then around after Thanksgiving, beginning of December in West Texas, they start harvesting. So anywhere from September to January, people are harvesting pecans. But that's why they're traditionally around the holiday season. You think of pecan pie at Thanksgiving and Christmas, it's because they're harvested during that holiday season. And that's all just nature. Yeah. Like you plant. It's well, I know <laughs> I know that agriculture's nature. nature. I know, but I mean like we plant <laughs> cotton and yeah. corn at certain times and then it grows. But mm-hmm. that's all one tree. Yeah. And it just does that. Yeah, it's, it's a permanent crop that <laughs> Clint is it's, laughing yeah. <laughs> so hard at me, it's, but it's different. Yeah, well, and we have over a thousand varieties of pecans, which mean types of pecans, um, like a breed, if you will. Uh, and they've bred those to some har- being harvested earlier, some harvested later, depending on the conditions. So they can control some of that nature that you're talking about. Tell me more about that. Is, is there... Tell me more about this. It's, it's nature. No, I know. <laughs> I know it's nature, but is there a, perf- what are the most, what's the best kind of pecan tree to plant in Texas? This is There's not, there's not going to be one that, I mean, because it depends on where you live. So if you live Central in, Texas. if you live in Central Texas, I have my favorite, but that's not, someone else is going to say something different. That's okay. Good point yeah. though, because. It's like everyone earlier, has a favorite cow. Well, that's the point we were talking about earlier. Everybody has their own favorite. Everybody knows their own operation. That's all they can speak to. So what is Blair Krebs' favorite Central Texas Uh, pecan tree? A Kansa pecan tree, but that's what's in my yard because it's easiest to grow. I want, want, you know, user-friendly, easiest to grow. It it depends on the kind of land you have. If you have good good soil or clay soil, if you have water, it's just all those variances. If you are selling into the retail market versus the wholesale market, you'll want different varieties because some are mature earlier. So you want those for a retail market before the holidays. There's a lot of variances. A lot of it. <laughs> well, okay. And speaking of maturing, so from the time a pecan tree is planted mm-hmm. to the time that it starts producing for a grower, what, yeah. what does that timeline look like? So the, generally a commercial grower, um, you know, really good commercial grower can get a crop about six to eight years. An average person, I would say it's more closer to eight to 10 years. Um, you're getting a small crop and then they hit their peak, you know. Pecan trees can grow for 200 years and be producing for 200 years. Oh. But after a while, you know, it's like anything, we all hit our peak at one point and then we go downhill from there. Already did. Uh, yeah, just... so um, there's that part of it. But uh, yeah, so they can start getting them after six to eight years, but that's a long-term investment, of course, waiting, planting something and waiting six to 10 years, depending yeah. on getting a crop. Yeah. So it's interesting that we started off talking about pecan varieties. I had a little little bit of exposure, I guess, to pecans. I used to finance a, one of the larger pecan processing operations in Central Texas. So got to learn a little about a little bit about pecans when you're, you know, extending money to somebody. You kind of have to know what yeah. they're doing. But it was interesting. The native Texas pecans, I thought, were the best. And I don't know mm-hmm. what the varieties were, but they're a lot smaller nut. Correct. I think they have a higher oil content, don't they? So a lot of people believe it's just more of a concentrated oil content because they're so much smaller. They often use those native pecans for ice creams and things like that, where the flavor can really be brought mm-hmm. out um, out mm-hmm. of those small pieces that they're using. Mm-hmm. Um, we're seeing less and less of the native crop because it's harder to harvest. Um, it is uh, they're harder to shell. Just say you've got a harder shell, yep. smaller. Yep. Uh, but there's a lot of people that still do that and then also run cattle in their native orchard. So they're they're diversified in that way. Right. Right. But it's definitely less of the production than it once was. Yep. There is a different taste, though, Joe. Mm-hmm. You should look at it. If you ever find some, go go find you some small pecans. 
I think I can bring some next time. Yeah. Well, you're <laughs> really awesome. For those listening and not watching, there's a whole table full of <clears throat> pecans that Blair's brought. I'm just overwhelmed with all of these pecan facts. This is fascinating. Yeah. And I've known you for 15 years. I, I, I've never even spoken to you about your job, I guess, but I have. Oh, well, that's insulting. <laughs> <laughs> he, he, he's an attorney. Oh, yeah, that's true. <laughs> okay. I have to well, throw that in every episode. I, I'm not the one bringing that up. Everyone's sick of it, <laughs> of me talking about it. And as I've told you before, I'm a real one-trick pony. It's only it's only pecans. Um, I'm learning more about other agriculture, but I've been doing this about 19 years now, so I've got a lot of just random factoids about pecans. Well, that's a good segue. How, how, did, how did you get into this line of work and agriculture in general? So I'm originally a city girl. Um, I'm, I'm, as one of our friends says, I have a little bit of a different story. No. And I'm a city girl. I was raised in Houston, and I went to A&M, got a business degree from A&M, graduated, and then my husband decided to go back to school here and called Station. So I applied for a job at the Texas Pecan Growers Association and just ended up loving it, falling in love with it. Um, I always like to work in nonprofits, and that's what you know we are. But then um, adding the just down-to-earth nature of agriculture and just – you know, your hands on everything. Um, in our association, doing a little bit of everything uh, keeps me interested. I don't get bored. I get bored very easily. So that's been great. Uh, so I've now been there, like I said, since 2004. Wow. So about 19 years now. Which I always, that's shocking to hear that 2004 was 19 years ago because in my I mind know. it's like yesterday. I know. It's, uh, it's, it's a long time back. But uh, you gave me a little. <laughs> what? 2004. I don't know. Were you in school yet? Uh, elementary. Mm -hmm. Serious? No, not elementary. I was in college in 2004. <laughs> like, um, Clint is an alumni of Tall, and Blair and yeah. I were in Tall together, and uh, she would always talk about the specialty crops and mm -hmm. whatnot, and was a good representation of that to classic beef and cotton and lenders and such, always in Tall. So I always enjoyed hearing the stories you would bring to the table yeah. on that. Um, and Texas actually, you know, compared to places like California, don't, doesn't have as many specialty crops. I think that'll change in the future as land values go up. You know, you'll need a more valuable crop, but um, we'll just have to wait and see, I guess. Yep. Like everything is changing. Along those lines, what sets pecans apart from other specialty crops? I think one of the, the biggest things I already mentioned, it's native here. So we found fossils. It's been here for 2,000 years. So it is quite literally, they're meant to grow here. Um, and then we've, of course, finessed that to make them grow better um, in a commercial environment. Also, it's a permanent crop. Um, so that means, you know, you're not putting in, um, you know, a seed and then getting the crop that next year. It's If you mess up on something, it, it's a big deal. You know, you're not getting that tree back again for another eight to 10 years if you lose that tree. So that makes it um, very interesting. And then just for the state of Texas, it's a state nut, state pie, state tree. Since 1919, it's been the state tree. So um, a lot of culture and heritage here. You know, most people I speak to and tell them about my job, they, they go, oh, my grandfather had a tree or something. There's always a connection to mm -hmm. um, the state of Texas when it comes to pecans. And they're wildly, widely grown across the state. So there's pecans in almost every county. Um, and wildly, probably. Yes, well, yes, exactly. Um, across the state, whereas you see a lot of the specialty crops are focused more on, you know, South Texas, where they can grow some of the, the fruits and vegetables. <coughs> but pecans are grown across the, the board in Texas, all the way from El Paso County to Texarkana. So. so one thing I'd like to highlight that was really shocking to me once I really got involved in the industry and learning more about it. But when we talk about pecans being native to Texas, you know, 
if we think about agriculture, most of the time when we harvest or when we think about any crop, really, it's grown in a, in a row in an organized fashion or, or something thereabout. But when we talk about pecans being native, they're what was it was like a light bulb going off that people actually harvest native trees that aren't necessarily in a yep. row. Like the Saints have a r- river bottom mm-hmm. there. They're all over. So they're just wherever they grow naturally. Yep. And if you look at a lot of the varieties that we've spoken about, they're named after Native American tribes. So you see Pawnee, Cheyenne, Kiowa, all those. It's that's Those are from the USDA um, Agricultural Research Service. And they named them after Native American tribes to pay homage because the Native Americans were the first people to harvest pecans. So they went along those riverbeds, harvested them. Um, and that kept them, um, gave them sustenance through the winter. So yeah. we named the varieties after them. So I've got a different different kind of question, maybe. Yeah. So where did pecan pie originate? Is it a Texas thing? I've heard Louisiana. I've heard Texas. I um, I, I don't know. Uh, in full disclosure, I actually don't like pecan pie. Oh, man. <laughs> I know. Blair. I know. And I'm saying that live and on the air. <laughs> Growing up, I actually didn't think I liked pecans because I really had had them in all sweet items like pecan pies mm-hmm. and, you know, sweet mm-hmm. potatoes and marshmallows and all mm-hmm. the things. But um, I'm more of a salty, savory it's, gal. It's, it's actually my favorite dessert. It's oh. mine, too. And I love to hear that. <laughs> I was driving back from Dallas this weekend and I saw Collins Street Bakery had an advertisement for pecan. I wrote it down. Texas pecan cake. Mm-hmm. I've never even heard of that, but yeah. I want to eat it very much. Yeah, they sell quite a few of those. <laughs> they they sell quite a few of those. Sounds um, pretty good. Like, how can you go wrong? I mean, you really can't. Nope. I do pecan pie cookies. They're okay. basically like a shortbread cookie with a little bit of the, the gooey stuff in the middle. Delicious. Yeah. So my wife, she makes uh, pecan pie bars, and they're like mm. pecan pie, but they're like brownies, so you slice oh. a yeah. pan of them. I mean, wow. it's like, well... I hesitate to say this live, but I'll go ahead and say it. It's like my granddad used to say. You put a little bit of that on your forehead, and your tongue will beat your brains out trying to get to it. <laughs> what a phrase. <laughs> that's good. That's well, good. and that's, I mean, we in our industry, we so love all the, you know, traditional, like I said, the cultural recipes. But it's funny when you do consumer, consumer studies, most people don't think pecans are healthy. It's not that they're not healthy. They're actually incredibly healthy, highest in antioxidants. It's that they we cover them in butter and sugar and all the delicious yep. things. So yep. um, our industry has spent a lot of time, you know, re-educating consumers about, okay, you can have your pecan pie here, but there's also healthy ways to snack on them and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Well, you mentioned that it was the state nut, mm-hmm. but it was actually, unless state. my Googling was health wrong, nut. which, the, yes, it was the health Correct. nut. So the health nut. that's what yep. I was like going to ask you about yeah, so absolutely. there are health benefits to it absolutely like i said highest in antioxidants you know all the tree nuts kind of have uh you know stronger benefits in one thing or other and for pecans it's antioxidants and uh, yeah lots of good fiber and and it, you know all the good benefits but again we've it's good to cover them in the butter and sugar every once in a while but we need to go a little more health track on them absolutely um i want to circle back to just the eight to ten years of production mm-hmm. you had mentioned earlier yep. So that's a bit of a gap between starting and and production. Do y'all find in the industry that that can be a barrier to entry for some of your younger producers or just, I mean, any producer? Is that a problem or how do y'all deal with that? Yeah, absolutely. Like I think most agriculture, that is a problem. We we see a lot of people that come into the industry are either from another business. So they were once an attorney or a doctor or something like that. And then they came into the business where they already had capital behind them. Of course, we have other people that come in just getting 
uh, people to fund them. Um, and then, the, of course, the third way is the family operation. So you see um, people getting into it that already have the farm and everything like that. So, yeah, it's a huge barrier because you're living eight to ten years without any revenue from them. So, um, yeah, it's, it's definitely a barrier. Um, and, and depending on where you are in the state, um, there's different costs associated with it. Like out west, it's more cost for water and things like that. So, yeah, it's a huge barrier. I know um, TDA has that Young Farmers Grant, mm-hmm. and I was fortunate enough to get that when I was coming back from law school to help buy back into the family cattle operation. And I, when I did it, there were a couple, I think there were a pecan farmer or two that had yep. gotten that. I know that helps. And Yeah, actually you know. our current president of our association has gotten it a couple times, and it's it's incredibly helpful. It's uh, a wonderful program. Yeah, our A&M specialists, they recommend, or not they recommend, they um, say that about it costs about $2,000 per acre. Uh, to start an orchard once they're just a plant and start it. And that's not including infrastructure, irrigation, and land value. That's just inputs. Go back to that dollar number again. $2,000 an 2000. acre. 2000 okay. Yep. And then once they're bearing, they say it's about $6,000 an acre. Um, again, this can greatly vary depending how many trees you have per acre, whether in the west, east, central. But um, that's a number that our A&M specialists um, typically use when giving new people. So from a standpoint of annual production, do you have any, you know, ballpark numbers on gross revenue and then what the expenses per acre might be? I don't on the gross, because it's also, you know, it's going to depend where you are. So, you know, in West Texas, they can grow about 2,000 to 3,000 pounds per acre, mm-hmm. um, but some of their costs are higher. And then yeah. in Central Texas, they may be only growing, you know, getting about 5,000 to 1,000 pounds per acre. Okay. So it's wildly variable. I get that question a lot, but... Um, yeah, just not good information on it. Um, so you, as part of the mission of Texas Pecan Grows earlier, you mentioned advocacy. Mm-hmm. What do y'all, what do y'all kind of do there? What's at the heart of that? Yeah, we spend, uh, actually advocacy. We started on a federal level only about five years ago, the industry, we were one of the founding members for the industry, um, organization that handles our lobbying in Washington, D.C. So we have someone there in D.C. 24-7 working on behalf of our industry. And um, we've been really successful in recent years. We just got the tariff uh, of pecans going from here to India, lowered from 100% to 30%. So that 70% drop is something you don't typically see when dealing within the Indian market. Um, We've had a lot more funds going to the research programs. There's actually just down the road here, um, right outside of College Station, there's a USDA AR bre- ARS breeding station. Mm-hmm. Um, so they create all those varieties I was mentioning about earlier. And um, we've gotten an increase in funding for them. So our lobbying efforts have been very successful, um, as well as disaster relief, COVID relief stuff, um, all sorts of things you do in D.C. That's yeah. significant. Yeah. Yeah, we've been lucky to have, again, because we are across 15 states, um, it allows us uh, – you know, if you look at a lot of the other tree nuts, they're in California, a little bit in Arizona, whatever have you. Because we're across 15 states, that means we have 30 senators and lots of Congress people um, in those areas to work with. So we're very lucky in that way. We have our own struggles having 15 states producing, but that's one of the benefits. Yep. So if you consider maybe, I guess what I'm after is maybe a flavor for the competition. So if I think about uh, the protein sector, a lot of times we look at the protein sector and the competition of you know, depending on the economics, let's mm-hmm. say beef is high, you'll see a, a high competition from pork because typically it's a lot mm-hmm. cheaper pro- source of protein for people. But 
do you have any flavor for that in your industry when you talk about tree nuts? Yeah, so almond is the big boy in town. Mm-hmm. They're the, you know, they just, the, the amount they produce, um, they're the biggest producer. California almonds are the biggest producer in the world of almonds, plus they have other production around the world. Walnuts, too. Uh, really, pecans are very small in the scheme of thing. I think we're only 7% of the tree nut industry worldwide. Um, I believe that's the percentage of it. Um, so we, basically, we know we've poised ourselves for growth, the industry has. Um, in recent years, in 2016, we got a federal marketing order, whereas almonds and walnuts have had them for 40 years. Mm-hmm. Um, we also are the first industry to have both a federal marketing order and then a research and promotion board. So we're now collecting for two organizations um, and promoting from there. And uh, both his offices are actually located in Fort Worth, Texas. Um, but we're promoting from there to catch up really with some of the promotional efforts within tree nuts. And being the native crop, we know we haven't even scratched the surface on the domestic market mm-hmm. um, here in the United States. You know, there's a lot of people in the North that that never eat pecans or if they don't even know what a good pecan looks like. So yep. we're working hard to hopefully change that. Yep. So if I, as I think about, you know, I think about some of that research, I think recently we talked to a uh, chicken grower and mm-hmm. the, the turn time mm-hmm. from chick, hatch chick to going to the kill plant is yep. 49 days. I, I, as I think about some of the competing tree nuts that we talked about, I think or, or how do pecans compare? Cause we talked about earlier, you know, anywhere from six to 10 years for production on your first tree after yep. planting. How does that compare in that market? Yeah, so pecans are, they take about the longest um, to grow oh. in comparison. So um, the almond is more actually like a stone fruit. You're actually eating kind of like the, the seed mm-hmm. of the stone fruit. Um, and they their trees come into production much earlier, but then of course they go out of production most, um, much earlier than pecans do. So they get ripped out and the new varieties get put <clears> in. Um, where of course, so when a pecan grower goes into plant an orchard, they're making some decisions that are going to last them really their lifetime. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's, there's always a, a joke that you're not planning them for you. You're planning them for your kids or your grandchildren because that's how long it takes them to grow. And that's a struggle within research, too. You can imagine if you're doing research on a pecan tree, how long it can take to see results uh, before you know if it's the right variety or whatever have you. Right. right but, right. yeah, it's a lot long. It's a long-term <laughs> So another question I have is, um, you know, being from Lubbock, there's pecan orchards out there. And then it's, I think, through our earlier conversation about native pecan trees. But I, I'm curious. There are be... pecan orchards out there? Oh, mm-hmm. yeah. Oh. Yeah. Almost every county in Texas, as I said, is a, um, has a commercial pecan orchard. Now, it may be a very small orchard, but the exception being the very northern part of the panhandle. <laughs> just small just... as 30 acres. I wrote that down. Yes. And it could be even smaller than that. Just but... to <laughs> highlight, I think you said production was higher at that area right per acre um i would say far west texas so most people don't realize the highest production area in the state of texas is el paso county yep so when i say west texas i'm generally talking about el paso county good i always forget that lubbock is considered west texas (laughs) one of those people that never knew that before yeah i was always one of those people that i've gone corrected a couple times now (laughs) yeah so get to, to get back to my original question i see a lot of orchards that doesn't look like they're necessarily harvested mm-hmm. i'm sure i'm curious if if there's any stats out there that tell us yeah so our a&m guys they say that i mean you know we could be probably producing 50 million more pounds if people were actually harvesting um a lot of the crop that is just out for the squirrels and the, the yep. birds and such yep. so. so 50 million pounds what's the rel- relativity of that to, to texas what's our overall production so last year we had the worst production we've had in about 40 to 50 years um, and we were only at about 25 million uh, it was so we have double 
you could last year's production, which last year was a bad year. It was saying. a horrible year, an average year. Are we yeah, 45, 40, yeah, yeah, close 40, to 45. That. So we're, we've got more production. According to the USDA numbers, we also, I mean, this is just me personally talking, but I think a lot of the um, calculations of the production are often missed because we have so many small growers that are harvesting their crop and then selling directly to consumers. Mm -hmm. So I think we're actually missing a lot of the production in Texas, in my opinion, but that's just my personal humble opinion. <laughs> no, that makes sense. That makes sense because there's probably not a sign-up program at the FSA office in the local county. It's interesting. So I, th I guess what I think about it, I mean, capital farm credit, we've got a lot of landowners that mm -hmm. we have as customers across this great state. I think about how many there might be opportunity for them, economically speaking, because yep. as you as you referenced earlier, as land values go up, we'll see more specialty crops. And I think that's that holds true. But I think about a lot of our landowners from an economic standpoint, how much they're missing out yeah, uh, because they have pecan trees on their property that they're not. And we have people in both Texas and Oklahoma that watch the market and mm. then they decide if the price is high enough to harvest um, gotcha. because, you know, harvesting, you know, the pecan industry is lucky in one way that it's less labor cost because it's not super labor intensive compared to like a lot of specialty crops like fruits and vegetables. But you have to own a lot of equipment. I mean, mm -hmm. obviously, if you're mm -hmm. not using labor, you're using right. equipment. Right. Um, so, you know, there are sometimes custom harvesters. We get calls calls yep. every single year, um, multiple times, and we have a listing through our association of custom harvesters um, where people want them to come in. But it's custom harvesting is also a hard job because generally they're pecan growers themselves and they have to harvest their crop and then, you yep. know, how many other people. So, yep. Um, yep. so there's, yeah, of course, barriers to doing yep. that too. But it's a good thought of diversification. Like you mentioned, yep. some of your guys have pecan trees, yep. graze their cattle throughout. Yep, and we have, you know, good agricultural practices where you have to remove the cattle um, before, you know, a certain time so that there is no um, food safety issues as well. Oh, that didn't even cross my mind. You're so good. Yeah. yeah. What so a good they, advocate. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Well, no, I mean, we do have, you know, gaps of good agricultural practices where, you know, I think it's I think it's 90 to 120 days. Don't quote me on that, but uh, um have to go back and look. But, yeah, they have to remove them just for food safety. I mean, luckily, pecans are inherently kind of protected because they're in a shuck, they're in a shell. And then you don't actually, nothing you're eating actually touches it until it goes to the processing plant. But um, we like to be extra safe, of course. Yep. I mean, you're talking to a kid that used to bathe in water troughs at the ranch. So I mean, you know, really fair enough. You, you Most of us aren't scared, but, you know, I mean, we, we want to make sure we have a safe product that goes to the consumer. Yeah. You probably drink out of the water hose, too. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. Talking about this really takes me back in history because when I was in college, I remember for about a year I worked for a, it was about a 90 acre orchard there south of Lubbock. Oh, nice. Um, fully underground irrigation system and everything. So I was yeah. the only employee, but I remember I drove, a, 20 years old, decent tractor driver, I guess, but I was always constantly, we didn't have cattle to graze underneath, but we were always, we mm -hmm. like to keep it neat and tidy. So my primary job was I, I ran the tractor with a shredder and then- yeah, yeah came back and weed eated around all the irrigation risers. But I think about it, it, it brought what, what it brought me back to is running over all those risers with the shredder and then going back and having to fix them with PVC pipe. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Glamorous jobs, yes. wasn't it? Yeah. Glamorous. It's like anything in agriculture. It's not necessarily easy. No. And it's hard work. And, and as, you know, sometimes people think, you know, you plant a pecan tree. Oh, I'll just get a crop. Yeah, that's, that's not how it works. And I, that's not how it gets to the grocery store. Um, you know, it takes a lot of hard work, a lot of input costs for these growers to get that product to everybody. Yep. So you bring up a really good point we like to talk about a lot, knowing where your food comes from. But I think yep. that whole mantra comes from we've gotten so used to 
going to H-E-B or to United in West Texas or the Panhandle, however you refer to it, Jeff. Yeah. <laughs> we Let's not start that fight. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's, and I mean, and I always, he's heard me say this a number of times, I, because I grew up in the city, I like to bridge that gap. Um, I like talking about that because um, I'm like a lot of Americans. I was one generation removed from agriculture. My grandfather hated, lived on a cattle ranch. He hated it. Um, he loved horticulture, but, um, you know, he didn't stay in agriculture. And then my parents raised me in Houston and I came back to it. So um, I kind of get a viewpoint of growing up, not in agriculture. Um, right. And then, and then seeing how people think in that way. So yeah, that's, there needs to be a lot of education um, involved and, and, compromising education not one speaking to another um in a derogatory you know tone and everything like that so that's the key making both sides come to the table and understand yeah to talk as people common men yes and i mean we're i mean i i feel lucky in a lot of ways because i see a lot of the other agriculture industries that you know if you look at beef cattle and the people the you know are fighting against you know some of those issues or even you know almonds being the big boy and tree nuts they often get attacked on certain things um pecans have such a cultural story that there's very few people i meet that you know start going on the attack about it um you know like i said they have history and their family history and everything like that so it makes it a really easy story to tell and to bring products i mean you know yep. it's, a, it's a great one to well and i think about. that is a good point is that it's an amicable product mm-hmm. i think naturally and i don't want to say rightfully but rightfully sometimes in the beef cattle industry it does get attacked or like you're saying so i think there is a reason to be on the offense there but coming to the middle is the reasonable solution yeah absolutely and i mean it's trees you know you have the disputification part of it um Mm. that that people um often relate to so there's a lot of people ways people can relate to pecans and it makes our job um fun and easy uh, a little bit easier on that sense yeah not easy, but yeah. <laughs> I was like, let me go back to that. Job not easy, but um, it is a fun story to tell over and over again. Definitely. Okay, so earlier I kind of like blacked out during all of the nature and mm-hmm. science talk because I was just so taken aback by all of it. Did, so you may have already mentioned this is what I'm saying, okay. but I won't judge you. I know that like you know, small thirty acres, large up to three thousand. Is there? Can you talk about the difference in how across the state of Texas production might might be? I know like El Paso down to San Saba. Or, or, can you speak yeah. to that a little bit? So I'll start Again. with the – Talk to oh, <laughs> Did you? <laughs> no, oh, she no. did. <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. Uh, so El Paso County um, is the high production area. So you see a lot more pounds coming off each acre. So they generally sell into like a wholesale market. Um, so they're selling large quantities of pecans. Um, this sounds like new information. It is. Uh, <laughs> I had to give you a hard time. And, and you know, again, it's and they can. It's because of different plantings. Also, they have to deal with a lot more water issues. They often plant usually a little bit closer density um, because they get so much sunlight out there. They can. They have less disease pressure because it's not humid. Um, because you know you have diseases when you come to humid and moisture and all that kind of stuff. So then you go to Central Texas. And you see the San Saba Comanche area has quite a bit of production. There's quite a few um, commercial wholesale growers there. You get down to, you know, central Texas, land values start to get higher. Um, and you see um, smaller growers, but they very successfully retail um, in central Texas because you think of all the highways that everyone drives up and down and um, they can retail direct to consumers. There's a lot of growers I know that um, who are, you know, I'd say medium-sized growers that sell all the crop right out of their store. 
Um, they don't have to go anywhere else. Oh. Um, and then, you know, you have up in North Texas, you also have some commercial growers. East Texas, you start to see a lot of the smaller growers. Um, and again, they sell directly to consumers generally, um, or maybe to a wholesaler. We also have people selling to exports, but those also take larger quantities. It's it's so varied. Um, in Texas, it's kind of the middle ground for the industry. Like I said, California to Georgia. So our East Texas looks a lot like Georgia and Louisiana and stuff. It's that... Um, you know, humid, um, but they get, of course, more water and everything. Central Texas, it's kind of its own beast. And then West Texas looks like New Mexico yep. um, and Arizona. And we also have a lot of processing facilities in the state of Texas for pecans. So we are just like the middle <laughs> hub convergence point for the industry. Makes a lot of sense. And because of our border to Mexico, Mexico grows about as many pecans as we do now. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's other countries, of course, that grow them as well. Um, but Mexico grows a considerable amount, so we're at that border with them. There's so a lot those, of movement. Those pecans move this way. Yeah. So a lot of the pecans, um, it, it changes each year. They when the Mexico or the Chinese tariffs went into place for the pecan industry several years ago, uh, Mexico started selling directly to China, so less was coming into the United States. But still, um, quite a bit comes into the United States and is is sold on the uh, U.S. market. But there's Actually, the word in Spanish they use for pecan is nuez, which actually means nut, but that's because that's the nut that they know. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's it's what they put in all their desserts. They don't, you know, generally eat a lot of the other tree nuts. So um, there's a big consumer market down there for them as well. Yep. And there's a lot of process, product also going over the border, being processed, and then coming right back. Yep. So. Taking advantage of the labor supply mm-hmm. over there. Interesting. <clears throat> Speaking of labor and such, what are some of the challenges facing your industry right now? Um, I mean, the high input costs. I mean, I know it's like probably beating a dead horse because I'm sure everyone, you know, comes on here and says that. But yeah, high input cost is just, um, it, it's killing a lot of people because, you know, you're putting it onto this permanent crop. And, and if you don't do it, then you may not have a crop that year and then you may not have a crop the next year. So it has long term implications mm-hmm. um, on what the inputs are. Labor is also an issue. Like I said, it's a little bit less than some of the real hands on labor. Um, industries, but it, it, it's still an issue. You still need workers. Um, of course, 2000 was 18 that the tariffs went into effect. We went from a 7% tariff to a 47% tariff in China. Um, and the U.S. was selling about a third of its crop, total U.S. crop, to China. So when that happened, that was, um, as you can imagine, a huge hit to the market. Um, and that's why, as I mentioned earlier with India, we've got the tariff lowered. So it's a diversifying our markets. So really, I, I, a lot of the issues are similar to, I think, what a lot of agriculture faces. We're all pretty similar in that way. Yeah. And the weather. I mean, what can you say? You know, you, you, whether it's a freeze um, or the reason we had such a bad crop last year was, you know, we had, what, July and August where it was 100 degrees every single day and no rain. Mm-hmm. Um, that's when the nut is actually filling on the tree. So you need water to fill those. So if you don't have irrigation or you don't, or if your irrigation runs out, um, you're really up a creek then. So I'm curious, just had a a light bulb go off, but from a risk management standpoint, do you Mm -hmm. see a lot of your growers using, you know, some of the non-traditional, I guess I would say, insurance products offered through USDA, uh, like PRF or rainfall insurance? No, we don't see a lot of people using that. No, no, we do have crop insurance. We're one of the um, specialty crops here that has crop insurance, and okay. quite a few um, people uh, do have crop insurance. We um, actually went to a legislative event in Waco recently and um, spoke to um, the U.S. Ag Committee, some of the members there, 
um, about the need for um, fixing some of the crop insurance for pecans. Um, it works really great in East um, area, Alabama, Georgia, but there's some issues here in Central Texas, um, and not Central Texas, in Texas and New Mexico that we're working to fix um, in an event pretty soon here in Walk the Hill event in a couple of weeks. Um, we also have tree loss insurance, which doesn't work too well. So a lot of our growers don't use it. It's really expensive mm-hmm. because it would, it would, tree loss insurance is a, just like the name says, right? You're losing an entire tree, but the odds of that happening, I mean, unless it like a F, you know, four tornado right, right. hits your orchard. Um, so it's a very expensive, um, you know, product that is not very useful, but I don't see a lot of them using a lot of the others. Gotcha. Interesting. You did a great job at that. It was a wonderful event. It was that Farm Bill deal that we went to. And yeah. Just FYI. Yeah, thank you. Well, we're meeting, like I said, in two weeks we're going up to D.C. Our industry is for a Walk the Hill event, and we're meeting with um, the RMA, Risk Management Agency, um, individuals on the technical side uh, to fix some of those problems. So that, that event was great. That um, got direct access to them, and it helped solve the problem pretty quickly. Okay. It was. There were about probably – 50 to 60 commodity groups and a yeah. lot of the general public. And I felt they really listened and, and yeah, had an open ear to what everybody had on their heart and mind. And, and like I said, we're lucky because, you know, there was a uh, congressman from Georgia there and he's familiar with pecans. And, you know, when I meet him from New Mexico, they're familiar with pecans. That, that 15th state gives us some power. Yep. Also creates family drama, but it's <laughs> fine. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. But um, it, it's a benefit in other ways. for me i think that's a i think we covered the gamut i learned okay. a lot about pecans i'm here for it one trick <laughs> pony <laughs> clint you got anything else i don't i will say that capital farm credit has lots of customers that are in the pecan business mm-hmm. but we've also got other ancillary products and, and one of the reasons that i ask about some of the insurance is that we're uh, looking into uh, we already have an insurance division, but looking at, you know, bolstering that and if there's anything we could do of value to your growers, uh, I'd appreciate mm-hmm. the dialogue to stay open. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, we're, I mean, with the weather, the way it's going and everything like that, insurance has been a real and disaster relief, um, you know, disaster relief payments, those kind of things have been a big benefit to our industry. Yep. Yep. Great. Yep. Well, stay in touch. We really okay. appreciate your no. time. Enjoy the visit. No, uh, Learn even more than I did before about cons. Yeah. I'm always, like I said, I can talk about pecans a lot. Yeah, I, pre- <laughs> I, I appreciate I the samples. Yeah. I can't wait to dig into them. Yeah. Well, yeah. And, and I didn't mention about our association earlier, but we run the trade publication for the industry. Okay. So it goes out across the country um, and internationally as well. So I spend a lot of time not only learning about Texas pecans, but going to all the, I was just in Georgia last week and New Mexico a couple weeks before that, learning about all the pecans there and in Australia and South Africa and such too. So Pecan so, South Magazine. Yep. And what is the website? PecanSouthMagazine.com. And for Pecan Growers Association, if anybody wants to check that out? Uh, TPGA, you know, we love our acronyms, uh, TexasPecanGrowersAssociation.org. We're in the farm credit system. We know all about acronyms. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. And we actually produce a consumer magazine um, for pecans. It's just free to look at online, um, and it's called Pieces of Pecan. I'm sorry, choking on that one. Pieces of Pecan. And um, it'll be released on April 14th, which is National Pecan Day coming up. What perfect timing. Oh, yeah. Really cool. Yeah, so National Pecan Day coming up. Good. Yeah. Well, thank you for coming. Thank you. Always a delight. Yes. And look forward to seeing you next time. Okay. All right. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Thanks. Thank you for joining us today on Capital Roots. Texas agriculture is the foundation of our story and what makes us family. Capital Farm Credit is a proud member of the Farm Credit System. 
We finance farmers, ranchers, agricultural producers, and rural landowners, and we're here to make your vision a reality. We've been serving rural Texas for more than a century. Whether it be traditional, innovative, or lifestyle, we'll help you cultivate new ground. We're all in this together. Because together, we're better.